Hi, welcome to 99 Problems But A Boss Ain't One, the podcast that solved your freelancer problems one at a time. My name's Michelle Pratt, I'm your co-host and I uh, run a coaching and training business called Dive Deeper Development. And I'm your other co-host, my name is Katie Carlisle and I run a Squarespace web design and training business and also run a community for freelancers who want to be alone together called Freelance Folk. And today we're going to talk about digital distractions. So as freelancers, we have the joy quite often of working from home or co-working space, and we can pretty much choose the technology that we want to use. Of course, it does mean that we don't have a boss hanging around, staring over our shoulder if we're using Facebook in the middle of the day or answering our messages. We don't have a policy telling us that we are not allowed to use this during the office. Or that we have to keep these things locked away in our bags. So we have the freedom to do what we want, but we also have a lot of potential distraction as well. So today we're going to be looking at that. Katie, I want to ask you, I mean, you've been freelance longer than me. Do you think that freelancers are more prone to digital distractions than other people? Yes. I mean, a lot of people work from home, not a, self, a lot of people yeah. work from home these days. Um, I, th- I think so, because I think even if you're, if you're, if you're employed and you're, I mean, I've worked from home as an employee and then as a freelancer. And it did feel different. Yeah. Um, you know, I think even if you're working from home, if you're employed, you, you've you still got, I think, more accountability and kind of checking points and more interactions with people that kind of require you to keep on the, the straight and narrow, as it were, and not to get as well. too distracted. Yeah, and yeah. And I do think as a freelancer, um, I mean, yeah, of course, it's, you know, it applies to everybody, even people in the workplace, you know, in, in, in a employed workplace, nine to five type job, of course there are still digital distractions. But I do think as a freelancer, especially if you're procrastinating as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, putting things um, off. I, I think the, it's not that there are necessarily more digital distractions, it's just that the, the digital distractions are maybe more tempting because it's easier to, to get distracted as a freelancer than it is if you've got other people around you, like you say, looking over your shoulder and checking in with you every so often and, and phone calls to make and stuff. So yeah. I think I, if you work from home, it's harder. And if you work from home as a freelancer, it's even harder. Yeah, and I think the ambiguity sometimes, I think is, as in self-employed people, you have the mental load of having to make the decisions or there can be a lot of, amb- you can do anything you want, but you've got the ambiguity, well, what do I want to do? And sometimes it's easier to distract yourself yeah. than it is to knuckle down to the task, depending what you've got on, uh, of course. So digital distract, I mean, what kind of problems do you think it causes freelancers because we all do a little bit of it don't we yeah yeah and I mean you know Netflix is a digital distraction and there's the stereotype of the freelancer who kind of sits at home in the pajamas watching Netflix I've yet to meet that person but apparently (laughs) I haven't known to watch Netflix every so often but yeah like I I don't think I've ever like fully kind of just gone down that that rabbit hole of like avoiding work that has to be done and doing that instead I will have days where I kind of deliberately go, do you know what? Like, I'm going to just chill out for a couple of hours because I know that I'll be more productive as a result. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I have, I have worked in my pyjamas, so I, I am a little bit that stereotype. Um, but only when I know I can actually afford to do it. Um, but I think when we're talking about digital distractions, they're more meaning like notifications on your phone, emails, social media, um you know things just pinging up all the time and it's hard is it because I think quite legitimately if you run your own business you do have to spend time on yeah. LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and whatever other platform you use uh, your WhatsApp groups because yeah. it is part of your marketing it's part of your networking so it's something that needs doing yeah and I think you're and more likely to disappear down that rabbit hole or... yeah and I think you know for it's that thing of when you're freelance and you're wearing all the different hats and so if you were in an employed role yes if you were in the if you were in the marketing department or if you if you were you know if you were the social media manager of a of a job then you would legitimately spend all of your time on social media but that would be your job as a freelancer unless you are a social media consultant person then you 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 still need to use social media but it's not your job and so it's kind of that, okay, well, I need, to, I need to do this, but I also need to use this technology for this part of the role wearing this hat. And I need to go and make sure I'm doing this 
for this hat and oh but yeah I'm also in this Facebook group so it's not even like so I mean Facebook's a tricky one well, look, you've got friends on there, and also because your friends are quite often your, your networking buddies as well. So, yeah. so quite often a bit of chat is, it, is, is legitimate. It really annoys me, actually, on Facebook. I'm, I'm thinking about contravening their terms and conditions and setting up a separate profile for my business because it is, it is really annoying. I hate... I, I like to separate out work and home stuff um, from a kind of technology point of view. So I have two phones. I've got my work phone and my home phone. Everyone's always like, oh, you're a drug dealer. <laughs> I'm like, no. Obviously, that's the first place you exactly. might go to with yeah. two phones. Well, actually, no, what most people said. So I used to have something that was called a fair phone. It's an, it was like an ethically sourced phone. You know, So um, basically, they made it all kind of repairable and, and until it wasn't, which is why I don't have it anymore. Yeah. It was a really good idea in theory, but the practice was actually the cost of repairing it was more than the cost of buying a new phone. Yeah. Like significantly more. Um, and, and so but it, was, it was, you know, as ethically sourced as possible and everything. So it was also called a fair phone. The reason I'm enunciating it like that is because when I told people about it and they saw that I had two phones, they'd be like, what? That's your affair phone? Oh, we were a <laughs> okay, yeah. And like, yeah, yeah, I'm just being really open about it. You know? That's a different kind of uh, yeah. distraction entirely. Exactly. So um, I like to have everything separate. And what annoys me about Facebook is that if I go on for work purposes, I still see all the notifications and everything from my personal stuff and vice versa. If I'm going on for personal stuff, I get all the work-related notifications of the groups I'm in and page stuff and what have you for pages I manage. And I really hate it. I really want to be able to separate it out. See, that's where Google Plus comes in. You see, if only that were rest in peace. May it rest in peace. <laughs> if only that had actually taken off, <laughs> that problem would have been solved. Exactly. So yeah. So we've got lots of different distractions, and I think um, while most of us you know, are pretty good at knuckling down to work, it probably does take a little bit more time from us than we would ideally like. Yeah, as, I think as well. so. And I guess one of the main problems that you know why is this a problem really i guess yeah i mean i was reading this book there's a book called your brain rule or the brain rules by john medina and he talks about the use of technology and how your brain works essentially and one of the things he's saying is that you can't multitask so i know now when i'm watching the television even when i'm relaxing which is the other thing when you're trying to switch your brain off I will just instinctively pick my phone up and look at social media while I'm trying to watch a TV programme. That's why I like to see all the Scandi Noir stuff, because I can't read subtitles and text at the same time. <laughs> so, but, but John Williams was saying that you can't multitask. We think that we can. So we think that we can read an email and send a text message or tweet at the same time. And he says, you can't. There's no such thing as multitasking. Basically, what your brain is doing is switching between two tasks incredibly quickly. Yeah, so when you're saying you can't multitask, it's not like you're saying, you're not good at multitasking you you are physically not capable not, of it it's, it's an impossibility like, like as a human yeah we just don't we just <laughs> what don't we call do. multitasking is actually task switching very rapidly yes and that's quite a brain intensive process because when you're doing a task your brain has to sort of rummage around in there find the the program for writing i don't know an email or something it'll rummage around find the email program engage the email program you then get the message to your hands and your eyes to start typing your email and then when you hear that notification your brain processes that then has to disengage from the email writing task then has to rummage around find the program for right answering the text message send the, the message to your body to then write the text message but then the email gets your attention and it just is exhausting yeah. it's very labor intensive to go back well, if you think about, you know, if you're driving a car and say you, you kind of you, you need to get up to 50 miles an hour to or 60 miles an hour, wherever the kind of most efficient driving speed is. But imagine that every few seconds you have to then put the brake on and get back to zero. And then you have to start your going up again and get back up to, you know, not only does it take you more time, but the actual kind of energy and the drain on the resource is higher as well. You use more petrol. And this is yeah. true, glucose in your brain as well. So John Bedeen was saying it takes 50% longer to complete a task if you're trying to multitask. He also says you do with 50% of the accuracy as well. So you're not more efficient, you're actually taking longer and your accuracy is considerably worse. Yeah. So while most of us do try to multitask, it's generally not a good idea um, to do it. It doesn't generally get as good as results. I know, I've done that before when I've been, say I've been on the train and I've been listening to a podcast and then I get like a, a whatsapp message or something through and I'm trying to like so I'm replying to the whatsapp message and then I'm literally like I have no idea what just happened in the podcast I need to rewind it because I genuinely did not take any of that information in no. even though it was literally playing in my ears the whole time 
I, I just have no idea what they said, so then I always have to go back. And do it again. And this is why, in my world, people say, oh, I learned a lot. I do a lot of personal development. I do watch a lot of TED Talks. And I'm like, yeah, but what do you do when you're watching the TED Talk? I say, oh, I'm typing an email. I'm writing a document. Like you say, it doesn't go in. And you say, oh, what did you learn? They remember one or two things. And then anything beyond that, people can't remember. I mean, I'm sure people don't do this listening to our podcast. No, no. Everyone is completely attentively listening. Taking notes. They're literally sat in a kind of zen way with no exterior distractions whatsoever. I'm sure they're not doing the ironing. No. So would it still work? Is that still the case? Um, you know, with the multitasking thing. Is that still the case even if it's a task that doesn't require too much kind of brain work? So like, say, cleaning or something. Like, I listen to podcasts when I'm cleaning and I feel like I do... I am able to take in the information more than if I was trying to listen to a podcast whilst emailing, for example. Yeah, I mean, basically, if you are doing something um, like a well-used neurological connection, so well-used program, so if it is something that you can pretty much do on autopilot anyway, like cleaning, for example, then your chances are better. So if you do have to multitask, yes, definitely multitask with, with something. I don't really care do. if I don't clean very accurately Yeah, anyway. well, this is it. It's something, it's something you can do second nature. That is better. You could, you're less likely to get cognitive overload so it is better to do it I think yeah definitely when you're multitasking um, the, the big issue is cognitively demanding tasks so anything okay. that requires your conscious concentration calculation um, anything that requires that kind of focus you can't really multitask those and even even if you're not trying to do something at the same time as the other thing if you've got that what um, I guess it's what Cal Newport calls deep work if you're trying to do that really kind of focused work that is the stuff that is very valuable. So, you know, for, for me, it would be creating websites, you know, actually work, working on the design and the creative side of the website, not necessarily just the filling and settings bit or copying and pasting stuff, but the actual kind of creative side of it. Um, and I guess for you, it would be the actual des- design training work design, and the training yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, even, if, even if you're not trying to do two things at once like that if you're interrupted during that time then it kind of takes you out of that zone again and then and you have to get then back, get into, back into that and then that's that's even harder to get into again than i think than writing an email that yeah. kind of real kind of focused creative work if something kind of knocks you out of that it's harder to get back to where you were. It's so much harder to get back in. And I think this is part of the problem as well. And we've all done it. We've started writing an email to someone, been distracted by a text message or even a conversation. And then you forget what it was you were doing. And then a task you started three hours ago, all of a sudden it's like, I haven't done that yet. I didn't Literally, finish it. It's I, still open on your desktop. I like so often these days, I like find myself going, what am I doing? Where am I? What's happening? Like, yeah. like and, and like, I just, I'm just kind of like, why, why have I even... God, why am I in this room? What yeah, am I doing? I'm walking in the wrong room is what I do when I'm not focused on something. Yeah. <laughs> or I go back and do a t- different task in the room, then go back and then realise I hadn't done the thing that I meant yeah. to do to begin with. But that email thing is such a classic one, isn't it? Where you kind of, been, you, you take, yeah, you've been writing the same email for like three hours. It's just crazy. But, um, and, but this is also why people have burnout as well. So a lot of self-employed people say that they can't switch off in the evenings. And multitasking is part of the reason why we feel very distracted and feel very frazzled. I mentioned watching, you know, multitasking while I'm watching TV. And I think almost to the point where these days you can't sit doing anything. If you go to a, like a train station waiting room, even if it's just like a 10 minute wait, most people will be on their phones, not necessarily for productivity. We just can't really seem to be stand to be bored yeah. or, or just occupied with one thing. Yeah. We seem to want to have to always be doing something and it makes it really hard for your brain to switch off. So if you do have that ability to be able to separate things out and not multitask, um, you reduce the risk of cognitive overload and therefore you're less likely to feel stressed. And on the point of the boredom stuff, actually, I was listening to a podcast. There's a, a podcast I really like called The Minimalists podcast and they talk about minimalism um and they do talk about digital minimalism as well and one of the things that they were talking about was exactly that boredom thing like we've lost our ability to be bored and they were saying actually boredom is almost like a call to action to do something more meaningful it is but we fill that void with really meaningless trivial stuff instead yeah boredom is a really valuable i was reading a book about about different emotions and the purpose of them 
And boredom is really useful. In fact, it's, it's actually really a very, very valuable emotion to experience. And like you say, it, it the whole point of it, it tells you you should be doing something more important, or as you say, meaningful with your time. And therefore, we're supposed to, but also we're kind of supposed to endure a bit of boredom from time to time. We're not supposed to be constantly stimulated and being really bored for a little bit is actually really good for focusing you uh, when the good times come along. And can actually help you to have more creativity as well. Like we've done a podcast talking about creativity and one of the things that we talked about was giving yourself that space. And actually that's what boredom lets you do. You know, if, if you are... Boredom is basically, you're being left alone with nothing but your thoughts for company, which is yeah. you know, something a lot of people dread. But actually, if you do then have that space alone with your thoughts to think about things, then you can get some really valuable insights and ideas from just having that space. But a lot of the time, we don't give ourselves that space because, like you say, we're constantly looking to be stimulated. And, you know, I feel like I definitely put my hands up and say this, you know, I'm first thing I do when I wake up is I go on The Guardian and look at the news and yeah. then if I'm bored I'm like oh I'll just look on Instagram or Twitter and just scroll through a oh I read Twitter like the like... morning newspapers when I wake up so um, probably not the best way to do it by that when I lived in France I don't know if you did Katie but when I, not because France is boring but uh, well maybe a little bit uh, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but when I moved to France obviously I'd gone for I was at university and at university there's things going on 24-7 and then I moved to this small tiny town in France where I've only got contact hours for 12 hours a week, and then I'm sat in this room on my own. This was kind of the pre-smartphone age. I didn't ha- didn't know anyone, didn't have any other distractions, had very few possessions in my flats apart from a CD player. And apart from that, I was left in my own company, and I think it did, did drive me a little bit crazy for the first uh, few weeks or months. But after a while, I got really good at being in my own company, and actually you're in a much calmer happier more self-assured place when you can learn to live with your own company without that distraction for a little while so again if you work from home a lot and quite isolated there is a, a kind of an art to that i think yeah i feel like i'm probably not quite there yet yeah. <laughs> i also lived in france in the same situation it's had so similar situation um you know where where um yeah didn't have a computer didn't have the internet didn't have a smartphone um yeah had very few possessions there was a tv though um but but there's another girl also called Kate who was in living in the same town as me, and so we just so she lived in a separate apartment. But we we then we pretty much spent every waking moment together, and we would just we lived together, but just across two separate houses. Yeah, it was like yeah. our little like relationship in France, and so like she didn't have a TV. So sometimes we'd be at hers, and we'd just have the radio on. But we'd always have kind of that company, and I'm so grateful for that because I just don't know if I could have handled the being on my own, like, like especially because I am yeah quite an extrovert, and I did go out and meet people and everything, but it was the first time I'd lived on my own. Ever. Yeah. So um, I think your own company, free distraction, is really important. But back to the real world, I oh suppose. Yeah. We're all lot smart. Um, let's have some suggestions. So look, we can't multitask, and actually, it's not good to to distract ourselves. Um, we do. We are better when we have a singular focus. If you want a book to read on this subject, um, Your Brain at Work by oh god, his name's gone now. Oh, David Rock. Yes, I've done a. That's an excellent I've done, name. I've done a, blo- a blog um, on his book, Your Brain at Work, but he explains exactly why why it is our stress response gets triggered or why we feel under threat when we're being bombarded constantly with messages so we and 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 also the dangers of distracting ourselves so so something there to read if you want to know a bit more on this subject but for now katie and i will muddle our way with some of our suggestions about how you can (laughs) so katie (laughs) some of this will be do as we say not as we necessarily do i think we do a lot but we do i think we do a lot of them i think i do almost all of them but not consistently and i think that is my problem so what what I will tend to do is I'll, I'll, when I get to the point where I'm really noticing how distracted I am, I'll then kind of clamp down and start doing things kind of how I know I, I really ought to. Um, and I notice the difference. But then after a little while, you just kind of get out of the habit. And like, like with anything, you know, with, with kind of excellent healthy eating or flossing your teeth, you know, you, you know it's good for you and you keep going because you're in the habit. And then if anything kind of breaks that routine, you can just slip out of it and then it's really hard to get back into it again. And I feel like yourself. it's like yeah. that with with the sort of digital distraction side of it as well, you know. Um, I, I know some people kind of take it to an extreme and kind of have social media breaks where they just don't go on any social media for a month. So we're not suggesting that you do that, but if you find that actually it is really, you know, if you, if you start to realise how much it is affecting your productivity or your concentration or your kind of ability to talk to real humans um then maybe you know maybe going on a little digital detox might be an idea 
Um, one of the things that I find the most useful by far is a technique called the Pomodoro technique, which I've probably mentioned before in the podcast. Um, so, the, so Pomodoro means tomato. This is a long-winded explanation. So the, the, the book is a book by a guy called Francesco Cirillo. I don't know how you say it in Italian. Just um, sing, make the voice go off. Francesco Cirillo. And then it sounds accurate. Um, Sorry, you're Italian. Yeah, I probably just offended all the Italian listeners. We definitely have. Um, so he wrote a book called the Pomodoro Technique, and it's called that because Pomodoro is Italian for tomato, and he had one of those little kitchen timers that you've seen in, you, hopefully you've seen, if you're very young, maybe you haven't, um, in the shape of a tomato. So it's like a kind of manual kitchen timer that you twist and then it ticks down and you start to get them in the shape of a tomato, so that's why it's called it. So the idea is you set specific time to focus without distractions. And you do a 25 minute chunk of focused work and you literally turn off all potential distractions. So you turn off your email notifications, you put your phone on do not disturb or turn your phone off or put it in a different room or whatever. Make sure all the notifications on your laptop if you're using your laptop are turned off. Um, and you literally focus on just one task or one, one kind of set of tasks for 25 minutes. And at the end of that 25 minutes, you take a five minute break and use that time to go to the loo or grab a cup of coffee or do some stretching. He always suggests physically removing yourself from your screen in those five minutes. Then you go back and do another 25 minutes and then five minutes. So you do four rounds, some people do three. Um, in his book it's four, but there was also some research that 90 minutes is a good kind of cycle for doing tasks. Um, so you do four rounds of 25 minutes and at the end of that time, you then get a half hour break and that's when you can kind of go down that digital wormhole as much as you want. Um, do I mean wormhole? Rabbit hole? Rabbit hole. Rabbit but hole. Both are good. Yeah, <laughs> I, think yeah, I, mean, I think rabbit hole was more the kind of thing I was going for. Yeah. Um, go down the digital rabbit hole. And the idea is as well, if during the 25 minutes you're tempted to go and look on Facebook or go and check your email or whatever it is, you write down what it was you wanted to do. And then in that half hour, you go and do it. But you still only have half an hour, so you limit yourself. And then you can go and do another round. And that definitely works. Like, that's if, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm a bit like, ah, oh, you know, I feel like I'm not in control of anything and I've got so much work to do. And that really works as a kind of productivity technique. But also, the reason it works is because you are eliminating digital distractions. So in that 25 minutes, I can probably get done what would take me at least two or three times as long if I was trying to do that in a, in a situation where I was distracted. So if I was trying to do that work when I was, you know, at a co-working session or while the TV was on or with all my notifications and stuff, it would probably take me three times as long and I wouldn't get the quality. So just like you said before about the multitasking, I think it would, it would take away that productivity. Yeah, and that's where batching tasks generally is yeah. pretty good. It's normally good to focus on one thing. I mentioned David Rock's book. He says the, the, the optimum number of decisions or optimum range of options really is, is one. You, you, <laughs> just, you just want to pick one thing and um, and, t and stick with it. And like, Yeah, you said batching tasks, so grouping phone calls together, checking emails at a set time or, you know, it all in one go. And, I mean, that's something that all I also find works for me. That's one thing I do, actually, um, pretty consistently is emails. I only check my emails maybe three times a day. So once at the start of the day, which for me is around 12 o'clock, um, then once, maybe I only do it twice. It depends. Like, probably the most, most I would say three times a day. Then I'll go in sort of towards the middle of the afternoon and then I'll check them maybe once again before I finish work in the evening. Um, and that's fine. Yes, for some jobs, you probably do need to be a bit more reactive, but you probably don't need to be as reactive as you think you do. No, most of them, not at all. I mean, I check once in the morning for anything urgent and then I get into my most important stuff. Stuff, like you say, just focus on that. Yeah. And then I'll probably check around lunchtime, as you say, towards the back end of the day. And then probably it's the afternoon where I really answer the emails in earnest. So unless it was something that really needed a response that morning. Yeah. Um, no, I won't do it to exactly. the evening. And while we're on the subject of emails, as we, as we seem to be here, the other thing I... I I do is use Boomerang or there are other similar services. Yeah. I know Boomerang is now available on Outlook so as well as Gmail. So it's being used more widely. 
but it's it's software like that that allows. What does Boomerang do? Just yeah, so so, so it lets you um, do a number of things. One, it lets you um, send an item out of your desktop, out of your inbox, and then bring it back to you nearer the time, so you're not stressed out by having emails that you, you can't deal with. So it will actually present it to you at a pre-designated time. And you can do that within Gmail. Actually, they've got like a snooze feature as well. Yes, yeah, uh, but it will literally take it and boomerang it back. Yeah. But also the other thing you can do is write an email, but it won't send it until a specified time. And where I think that is quite useful is if you, let's, I don't know, you write an email on a Sunday, for example, but you don't want to give the impression that you're the beck and call of, of clients or people 24-7, you can get the work off your desk on that day if it's more convenient to you, but it doesn't send till Monday morning, for example. So you can pre-do the work when if you want to, but you can actually only send or receive it during office hours, which I think is really useful. So it's kind of training people to know when to expect responses from you, because yeah, if you if you're always responding within five minutes, no matter when it is, then that's what people are going to expect. So it's about managing yeah. expectations. Like I have something on my footer of my email that says, and I've thought about doing it as an automatic responder, but I feel like that's just generating more emails for other people, so I don't. Yeah. So I have something in the footer, and I always say this when I start working with a client as well, I will respond to emails within 24 hours. If you need something more quickly than that, you need to message me or phone me and I will respond more quickly. But with email, I will respond within 24 hours. And that's the expectations that I set. I think it's even, I think I probably should specify that it's 24 hours on kind of normal working business days. Although I do work weekends every so often, um, I tend to have those, even though I could have any time as my day off, I tend to have weekends off because that's when my clients aren't there. And so it's yeah. easier. Yeah, it makes sense. But also if you, if, if you, people uh, kind of learn that you'll respond instantly they'll expect exactly so then if you don't respond instantly then yeah. they'll be chasing you going what where are you what's up what's up so you can still be responsive yeah exactly it's just, yeah. Say, even in, in a few hour batches if it's every few hours yeah and you know work. i think it is a lot of managing expectations so like i had a client a potential client and i um he emailed me at four fifty nine on a friday night with some information that i've requested and then at about 10.30am on the Monday, he sent me another email saying, have you had a chance to look at this yet? And I'm like, I was like, you literally sent it one minute to five on a Friday. And yeah. it's only, you've only had like an hour and a half on Monday morning. And I was like, so I actually replied and said pretty much that, but in a nice jokey way. But I was like, I'm, I don't want you to get into the, to, to think that I will respond instantly out of hours. You know, yeah. Because that's just not, and if you, and, and I said it in a way that, if, if you know, if that was going to be an issue, he was very free not to work with me, you know. And so I, I made it into a bit of a joke, but I think it kind of did set the expectation as well. And yeah. gave, you know, just, I was like, just want to, you know, just to let you know, this is how I work. And it's a nice way of being able to say that. Yeah, but it's also, I think, a bit unfair for people to moan at others for sending emails at ridiculous times when you do it yourself. So that's the problem. Yeah. So do as you would be done by. So if, Yeah, but also if people send you emails on a weekend and there's no reasonable uh, reason why you should respond, then don't send the emails on a weekend. Like, if you don't want people to expect emails from you on a weekend, don't, don't send, send them, them on, on the weekend. weekend. Yeah. You can't really complain because people take their steer from you. Yeah, exactly. One of the... one um, a, a good book if you're interested in, in that kind of training people to to work with in the way that you want to work is the four hour work week um which is it's kind of it's a, it's a slightly misleading title because like the guy so it's by a guy called tim ferris and i think it's f-e-r-r-i-s-s yeah um and in that book he talks about how he only works a four hour work week but what about that he means he, he only does four hours of work he only does four hours a week of something that he considers work in the fact that he doesn't really like or enjoy it that much. He does work the rest of the week. He just doesn't consider it to be work. But one of the things that's really interesting is he says how he managed to, he had a, a corporate job where he was expected to yeah, reply instantly and be kind of at people's beck and call all the time. And he kind of gradually got to the point where he was able to then work from home and then ultimately work remotely in different time zones and had a much better kind of response time. And the, what, interesting, the way he did it was he, he, would, he had an office that he had to go into, but he started going and working from a coffee shop just literally around the corner from the office. And so people would see that he wasn't at his desk, 
and they just assume he was you know in a meeting or something and then they'd message him on their internal company kind of messaging system and he'd reply and so over time people got used to knowing that they could get a reply from him if they messaged him rather than going and talking to him in person and then over time he gradually extended the time period he chose to reply and basically did this experiment where he ended up working pretty much remotely, doing lots of fewer hours, but made sure he was still delivering all of his targets. So then he could go back to the manager and say, actually, I've been doing this. And look, you haven't noticed a difference. Can we formalise this to, as the way I work? And so actually, there are, even if you feel like, oh, I couldn't do that, because most of the other employees in that company probably thought there's no way they'd be able to do that. But he was like, well, let's see how we can make it work. Yeah, and most people just want the job done. They yeah. want to know that you're going to respond and that you're going to be available. And I think one way to eliminate the email distraction is just to be proactive. So if people are, if, if a lot of your emails are people chasing you for work, then you can make that stop because you can give them the information that they need ahead of time to reassure them on, on a timescale that's convenient for you. Or even if the news is that there is no news, then just tell someone that's the update. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're not going to get that back. Exactly. I think, it, I don't know what you think about this, Casey. Some, as you say, some people will think, well, I can't, I have to be responsive to my customers, I have to reply straight away. I would question whether you do, actually. I'd, I've, I've not come across many businesses or situations where people genuinely, genuinely have to respond. I mean, if no one's going to die, then it probably isn't as urgent as you think it's it probably is. probably not. I mean, obviously, <laughs> towards the launch of a product or a launch of a project, yeah, then that's yeah. different. We all know you, you've got to have maybe your phone 24-7 for that short period. But the other one is, I don't know you think, I turn my notifications off. So I seem to be a bit weird in that notifications are supposed to be there to help us or you know, tell you and think, and to be honest with them, I, I've just switched the whole bloody things off. Um, so obviously I get my emails. So on my phone, my email notifications don't have a sound. They're in my notification bar. Oh, I, I don't even have that. I don't I have a bar. I don't have any notifications. But also email. those bloody badges on your phone, which tell you how many messages are outstanding. Now your, your phone is designed, uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of a bit screwed up that the greatest psychological minds of the day are being employed by digital companies to make you addicted to your phone and they're trying to tap into what they know how they know human motivation works and basically to control your mind <laughs> as opposed to doing something really useful but um one of the things they do with these icon badges the numbers the counters that appear on your apps are designed to um give you this fear because people don't like it when there's something outstanding we like to see things yeah. finished so if you know that there's messages outstanding the counter on your note on your app is designed to drive you crazy so my suggestion would be one remove those so those are switched off i think they're called app counters or icon badges I yeah don't, i think it's badge, badges different things on different yeah. phones but also on my emails as well so all my desktop email notifications are off so if i'm working on the document i'm just in the document so i can see those notifications when i go to look for them at a glance but they don't uh, ping me or light up or do anything to, to grab me. Um, and the world hasn't stopped yet. And my, and my clients are still really happy that I'm responding to them in a good time frame. Yeah. So I don't know what you think. I don't know what you think about think, notifications. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, ha I don't get email notifications like at all. Um, apart from for freelance folk, I do. I have a separate email account for freelance folk. The reason I get notifications for that is because I don't get very many emails from it. Yeah. And so I don't bother checking it very often. So I only actually go into it when I get an, e an email. But for my Will Exist email, I don't have any notifications because I know I'm going to go there anyway. So there's no need for it. With Twitter and Instagram, I have those on my work phone and I do have notifications for those if somebody comments or messages. I don't have likes turned on for Twitter or Instagram because I don't really need to respond to that. I have it, and because I don't, I, I don't go on, it's so funny because all the, all the kind of trend at the moment is all about people kind of going off social media and doing this digital detox and closing their social media accounts or taking a break from it. But they always tweet about it. Well, they do, yeah, that's the first thing. But actually, I, I, I'm a bit weird in that I, I want to go on it more. I, <laughs> I, I don't go on it as much as I'd like to. You know, everyone's like, oh, you know, you're just missing out on life in the moment and everything else. And I'm like, I kind of get that. And, you know, it's really, it's heartening to me in a way that I don't feel the need to spend a lot of time on work, kind of, Twitter and Instagram. If I go on Instagram, it's normally on to look at, like, surfing and log cabins mm -hmm. <laughs> on my personal Instagram. Um, I'd like to do it more. I, when, I, when I kind of, especially with Twitter, I really like Twitter and I'd like to spend more time in it. I'm just not in the habit of going into it. So I think if I was 
I think if I was going onto Twitter and Instagram more, then I would turn off notifications. But again, a bit like my freelance work email, because I don't go on it very often, I need to know if there's something that needs a reply from me and therefore I have notifications. But actually, it would probably be better if I went on it more, but in a more strategic way. So having like set times where I go, right, okay, maybe if I'm doing the Pomodoro technique in that half an hour, that's when I go onto Twitter and I go and see if I've got any comments and stuff. So I'd still have the notification in the app. It just wouldn't ping up ping on my you. screen. And I think, that does distract me. I think that's the difference, isn't it? It's you having it where you want it when you go in rather than having it ping off. The other reason is that it's, it's called variable reward. So there's different types of reward. It, it, it's interesting. This is how fruit machines work. This is why people get, um, get addicted to, to fruit machines and gambling because you never know when the reward's going to come. So if you knew, for example, that if you completed a task at the end of each task completion, I don't know, once a week, you'd get a reward, the value of that reward kind of diminishes. You don't get a buzz off it. What's really exciting about fruit machines, but also social media, is that um, you never know when the reward's going to come. And apparently this is like really addictive for people. So this is why people get a real buzz. Like the fact that your phone could just go ping at any time and go, oh, I've got a notification. This is actually, as I say, it's, it's designed. I feel like I'm excited just thinking about it. Yeah, sorry, so <laughs> I just know that this is what, so social media companies also know this is highly addictive for people and it gives us a real boost. So this is where turning your notifications off and then you practically going in can be much more useful for you. Um, and so that's worth doing um, wisely when you do set them up. The other thing I found out the other day is that um, most people are using uh, digital like stuff, so apps, websites or whatever, when they're on their mobile phone. And therefore, the most addictive experience is on using the apps on your mobile as opposed to the desktop. It's been proven that the desktop version of Facebook, for example, is decidedly less addictive than the mobile phone version of Facebook. Oh, really? Yes. So the lady who was running the talk, and I'll look up her name, but she was saying, so what she's done is she's taken the, she's actually taken the apps off her phone. So this is, uh, sorry, Anastasia, Anastasia, did you? Keena, I can't say it. Um, I'll, I'll put a tweet out about it. But she she did a talk recently. Um, she's been a TEDx speaker and she did this at Ziff About Leafly. And she was saying that she's taken the apps off her phone and she only uses Facebook and LinkedIn and the like on her desktop for that very reason. And it's, it's so interesting, actually, when you start to look into the, 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 the way that these companies try and influence you. It does make you think, like... Um, there's a couple of books if you're interested in it um, one's called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg D-U-H-I-G-G I think um, and he talks there about how our habits are formed so in a, he talks about it in a way of how to form good habits but also helps you to he also talks about how large corporations target you and pick up on your habits and then you know adjust what they're doing to make you addicted and to and to kind of become one of your habits and so if you read that it's, it then makes you more aware when you're kind of being targeted and another book that does a similar thing is called the power of i think it's called the power of or influence the psychology of persuasion by someone called robert why do they always have italian names chialdini um, oh, yes, I've got that one at home. Um, so, so yeah, that's called Influence the Power of Persuasion. And again, that talks about how companies influence what you do. And if you understand how they influence you, you can spot when they're trying to do it. And then you can make an informed decision about whether you yeah, allow yeah. yourself to be influenced by it or not. And when you set up a new service, you can decide which bits to switch on and which bits to switch off. Exactly. Which is really good. The other thing you can do with your phone, of course, is to put the grayscale on. It's normally under the accessibility settings, but again, the colors on social media, uh, on, on uh, apps as well, make them more addictive. Give this a go, because this really, really works. If you make, if you turn your, your phone to grayscale and it's all in black and white, um, it is considerably less addictive really, does it put all the photos in black and white as well everything's in black and white oh. yeah if you take a photo it'll still be a color photo but it just won't show you that photo but um it, in color when you're in the grayscale mode and you can have this mode which you can switch on and off quite easy so if you want to um prevent yourself from picking it up it does make your phone really flat but the phone the, the images on phones are so crisp so good these days it's perfectly usable but it is less appealing so just things so like if that. you're struggling to break the addiction that Make could be a great. good one to try you can still do it of course the other one of course you can put your phone onto power saving mode and mine's got an ultra power saving mode where the whole phone goes black and white and it's just got basic apps on 
or it's just so if you still need it for the essential stuff then you can people can that. still phone you or text you or, or whatever you can even go on the internet actually yeah. as well but you can keep it down to a minimum so there's a few things you can and do and I think just them. actually turning on do not disturb is a really simple way of doing it and That's... not everybody knows that there is this feature on their phone like... oh but you can do it my um, kettlebell instructor Shami who I doubt is listening but if he is he does not put his phone on do not disturb and he, <laughs> plays, he has the kettlebells timer in the class and so whenever he gets a phone call or a notification in the middle of a class uh, it comes with the speakers and we keep telling him stick it on but if you've not used it it's, yeah. a, it, it's a mode where basically it's do not disturb so, yeah, so no notifications and you can through. set what notifications are allowed to come through yes yeah, like alarms for yeah example. or phone calls so for example um, I mean this applies through overnight as well because like I, I, I like I'm going to totally just name and shame my other half now so <laughs> like like Roland literally makes apps for a living and yet he didn't know about this do not disturb feature on his phone. So because of that, I'm assuming that not everybody else knows about it either. Um, and so like, even in the night, he'd have like, his phone would be buzzing and stuff and he'd just be like, it's so distracting. But in the day, it's really useful because you can set what you want to come through. So you can say, right, have notifications, but only allow phone calls through. You can say only phone calls from your contacts. So just in case you're worried, oh, what if my... I have a favourites list. For yeah, exactly. Family. What if somebody needs to get, you know, if you've got kids and you've got a kid in nursery or whatever and they, or at school, you can put that number in to be allowed to come through. So you know, okay, if they need to get hold of me urgently, they'll still be able to, but generic inquiry phone calls they can just leave a voicemail or you know there's a lot you can do i'm aware in the last episode my phone made a noise that's because i forgot yeah. to be silent um but yeah you can set it for certain times so you can say right two hours from now or you can have it on a schedule and yeah you get a lot of flexibility of how you can customize it and stuff i think that just makes a difference oh i love it like so that makes the noise you know so you can either do that or turn it on silent and put it face down that's the other option that's the low-tech option or in another room <laughs> or in another room which yeah. is the other tip as well so i think i'm gonna have to start when i'm watching tv in the evening after eight eight th- well maybe after eight thirty nine o'clock yeah. i think i'm just gonna have to physically put my phone Remove in another yourself room because it. that way i have a break as well so my downtime i'm not distracting myself left right and center yeah I literally just spend quality time with my wife and or with the tv program or with whatever it is that i'm doing and i think with a lot of these things the, the reason why we sometimes can get distracted so for example if you're doing one of your you know if you're doing a 25 minute focus time you don't have to do it on the kind of pomodoro schedule just say i'm going to do half an hour focus work now you don't have to do a whole you know set of them or anything it's quite hard to do a whole set when you first try you'll find it really difficult but it will get better but what what sometimes kind of what sometimes makes it go wrong is you'll start doing this focused work and then you'll realize oh i need this information and this information is stored in my emails or yeah. on, on a whatsapp message i don't know about you but like i um i think you're more strict about this than me i don't really care uh, like i get i get information sent by whatsapp by clients and stuff um sometimes by text so I, I have to know where it is to then go and get it. So if it's on my phone, then I have to go open my phone and then I see all the other messages that are on there. Not that I'm like that popular, but there's normally maybe like yeah, one yeah. or two messages. And then all immediately it's that temptation to see what the message is. Because I can see that it's an unread message. Even if I don't even if I don't have the badge, you know, if you actually go into WhatsApp, it will you'll tell see you, the unread it will messages. Tell you. Um and so what what can then break you is that yeah if, if you have to go into one of these services to find the information that you need you will then become digitally distracted so the best thing to do is if you know you're going to do that focus time is to extract the information that you will need first and store it somewhere um so i use a tool called trello which is like a project management tool where you can have kind of lists of information and attachments and due dates and all kinds of things um, but there's other other services out there. You use Evernote quite a lot, don't you? Yeah. Um, even just on a, you know, save it to your hard drive on your computer in a folder. Just get the information somewhere. Put it in a Word document. Whatever works for you, so that then you don't need to go back into your email to refer back to that information. You've got it somewhere else, and then you can stay focused. And that's one of the things that's really helped me. So I don't use my inbox as a to-do list. It's there for conversations, and then that's not what I use when I'm doing my meaningful work should we call it absolutely so it's definitely about compartmentalizing yeah different tasks uh, so that we only do one things at a time yes and then do them sequentially which exactly. is the best way to do it exactly um and i think you mentioned earlier about separating yourself from your phone around eight thirty. and i know something we talked about when we were talking about the routine podcast was 
um, how to, sorry, the irony is I'm, I just paused them because I've got, I, I, I turned off one of, most of my notifications, my computer's on silent. We've got our notes in front of us here um, for the podcast. And I use this tool called Slack, which is like a kind of team chat app. Um, and I literally just got a message ping up. I set it to not disturb for two <laughs> hours. Uh, but obviously that two hours has now finished, I think. Um, and then so the reason I paused then was because this app little pinged, pinged up a notification to tell me I've got a message. And it's now showing me a little red bar that says one unread message. So That's the digital distraction is interrupting the digital distractions podcast. So back to where I was. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned about um, separating yourself from your phone. And in the routines one, we talked about not checking, not looking at your phone an hour, half an hour before bed. Um, and I think that's another way that the digital distraction can interfere, isn't it? Yeah, even when you're not actually working. And again, we mentioned having your phone in a different room. Ideally, the, the advice from the experts is to use a regular alarm clock and don't use your phone as an alarm. Um, and also to have a blue light filter. If you are going to use your laptop or your phone late at night, put a blue light fix filter on most devices have those built in these days so um have a look but if not there's apps you can use to download them i've used a different uh, twilight as one there's yeah you can there. either get it as like a browser extension or you can get one that applies to everything on your computer all well, my laptops have them built in all the software updates they've oh, added them these days okay and you can set them for sundown and sunrise as well yeah so if you do need to check your phone so it doesn't time, totally yeah. mess up with circadian rhythms and it doesn't distract you even while you're not working like you say well, that said though i do use my phone i do use brain FM so sometimes technology is the answer to yeah, yeah. now more often than not I'm of the opinion that right oh you know people I get really annoyed when people create apps to solve a problem and it's like yes but apps were kind of the problem in the first place <laughs> so rather than creating another digital thing to overcome the digital problem why not just go back to basics and just switch something off it's much easier to switch stuff off or put your phone in another room than to employ another app yeah which so, I think is weird yeah because uh, there are apps that there are apps and like you know again browsers extensions that will let you um that will a a track where you're spending most of your time on your phone so that's probably quite interesting as an insight but also they will block certain services um so they'll say you can set sites you don't want to be allowed to access at certain times so you can say don't let me go on facebook and 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 so on but again yeah it's, it's that kind of using the technology to solve yeah, it's just yeah, it's adding to the pro. Uh, I just think I mean I have much. like no willpower ever, but even I can stop myself from going on Facebook for half an hour. Just don't bloody do it. <laughs> I, I have literally no willpower about so anything. So. so yeah, I mean I use Brain FM. I think for focus, if you are in your focus time, I would suggest using like Brain Brain FM for concentration. It makes uh, plays noises that are the same frequency as your brain. It does help stimulate um, concentration. I also quite use it when I sleep actually um, for just the, the beach the background kind of noise. And stuff. I find yeah. them quite useful. So technology can also be a solution as well. Yeah, as and I think certain things like like I use toggle sometimes for tracking my time because it then makes me aware of where I am frittering away time going down internet rabbit holes and stuff. So I, I will use it for that and, and to kind of yeah, kind of make sure that I'm staying focused and then if I if I if I feel like I've worked an eight hour day and I've only tracked three hours of actual work then I'm like okay (laughs) something didn't quite go to plan there but there is a balance as well I mean remember if you worked in an office you would go to the water of course yeah you would go to the cafe you would chat to a colleague in the corridor for for 20 minutes um you would have a break so it's not like if you're not on your laptop 24 7 yeah 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 Exactly. Yeah, sometimes you can allow yourself to get distracted. This is something we've mentioned before. Like, like if you are craving distractions, if it's like, if you find yourself getting, what I would say, distracted too easily, it might be that you're just not allowing yourself enough of a break in which to have that downtime. And Because, you know, social media, I think some people think it is a bad thing, black and white, but I don't think that is the case. I think it, you can, you know, I've really got value out of, Facebook groups for businesses and I really get value out of Twitter. Jury's out on Instagram. I can see the benefits of it. I don't love it like I love Twitter. 
Um, you know that has uh, been shown to be the most addictive of all the platforms. what Instagram yes ah okay so in terms of what triggers your reward or gives you those little boosts of, those little strokes those little boosts Instagram maybe that's what's the good that I'm not totally obsessed with so yeah Instagram's been shown to be the one that is the most highly addictive yeah but I think um, they can also bring value and connections and you know give you that kind of some great communities on there as well. exactly yeah. and so I think that it's not like it's bad so actually if you if you can even even before you start work if you wanted to spend some time scheduled time going on those platforms to then remove that temptation when you do start focusing knowing like okay i've got my fix of that already like sometimes distractions are there because you want to get distracted so then it goes back to the mindset we've done an episode about procrastination so if you struggle with that go back and have a listen it was one of the earlier episodes that we did and look at maybe why you're getting distracted so much as well we haven't really talked about that too much I, th- I think that is probably that is probably the one, number one thing Katie we've talked about ways to manage this but and we've said you know it is actually a little bit distractions okay it's actually an actual thing and it's a good thing but I think if you do find yourself constantly distracted rather than try and find another app or another plugin that's going to solve it is ask yourself what are you distracting yourself from so sometimes it's nice just to have a mental break and that might be your body's way of telling you you need to have you need to have a break and switch tasks yeah. because we can't concentrate indefinitely in fact our attention spans are getting shorter but the other thing as well is what are you distracting yourself from is it work that feels difficult is it work that feels ambiguous is it a difficult conversation or are you just feeling a bit down on yourself and it's a way of giving yourself a quick boost is it you need appreciation is it that you want a bit of attention because we can get quite isolated and i think when it's easy to distract yourself you can ignore those feelings so perhaps maybe rather than distracting yourself tune into some of those emotions and perhaps try yeah. and meet that need figure out why in a in a more constructive way and, and reach out to someone and see if they can help you do that too so at the end of each episode then we always try to kind of think about um some of the key takeaways that we can do so what what or, or what's the one action that you kind of either recommend or that you thought about doing yourself that you want to do so michelle is there anything particular with digital distractions that you think yeah actually i'm going to start doing that or that you'd say if people could just do one thing what would it be i think one of the well one of the massive ones is understanding why you get so di- distracted and probably paying attention to that but if i if I had to pick one practical thing to do i'd probably say yeah just batch your tasks and just focus on one thing at a time whatever that is so whether it's batching half an hour for social media couple of hours for a piece of project work or an hour for emails i'd say just separate everything out i think for me i'm gonna turn off those little badges like you said i don't think i'm ready to go full grayscale yet i'm not sure i can handle it um i I like color in my life but um but yeah i'm gonna turn off the badges and i might even turn off my twitter and instagram notifications oh interesting exciting let everybody, <laughs> let everybody know how you get on yeah exactly well message us you know you feel free to, to interact with us on social media and we'll probably not reply for a little while because we'll be doing focused work but we'd <laughs> like to hear as usual what you guys do do you do you find digital distractions are an issue how do you how do you deal with them we'd love to know so get in touch with us twitter's probably the place where we're we're kind of both the most active so i'm at the wheel exists with an s at the end and I'm dive deep deck. D-E-D-I-V-E-D-E-P-D-E-V-P. So that's D-E-V-P at the end. Short for development. Exactly. Because Twitter is restrictive and stupid. There we go. Well, let us know how you get on. Uh, obviously, don't distract yourself from your work while you're doing it. Yes, quite. <laughs> when, you, when you're on a schedule social media break, tell us any, any apps, any little things that you use that you'd recommend. We're always open to those. Indeed. And we will see you next time for an episode of 99 Problems, But a Boss Ain't One.